Cat Disgusted is a show about veterinary nursing. It is not a show about how to cure your sick pet. If your animal is sick, take it to the vet. Don't be a crazy person and use a podcast to cure your puking cat, dog, chinchilla, etc., etc. I think they would tell you the same thing. If they could. Which they can't. Which makes it hard. You know what's up. Take them to the vet. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen. It's time for the best of times and the worst of times in veterinary nursing. What the hell are we doing? Well, it's Chihuahua snapping feral cats flailing all while working with the baddest bitches in the business. I'm your host, Nicole Dickerson, RBT, and this... It's how our week went. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, welcome back to Cat Disgusted. Um, the weather outside is crap today, and so there's nothing really uh, better for me to do with my time than sit inside my house and uh, talk into a microphone while the cats stare at me. Uh, so, so that's what we're doing. Um, I want to thank you guys. Those of you who have visited the Facebook page. Um, awesome. Thank you so much. Thanks for liking it. Uh, and your comments are always welcome. Comments and questions. Uh, I tried to keep it somewhat interesting. There's a couple really good, uh, articles that I've come about or like video clips and stuff. And I try to kind of keep it, keep, keep some of them up in there, um, to keep y'all interested, but, uh, be on the lookout for stuff like that. Cause there, there's a lot of stuff about animals out there. And so it's tons of fun to share it with, uh, with folks like you guys who like to listen to these types of uh, these types of podcasts. Now, for today's episode, uh, th- this is a, a subject that we've we've touched on <laughs> in previous episodes, uh, but this has to be part one of two or three or four or five gazillion because what I'm going to focus on today is the crazies. Um, the, not that, okay. So there's a really good phrase that a, a very wise veterinarian, uh, once, once said, which was that not all people who have animals are crazy, but all crazy people own animals. Yeah. <laughs> that is like on the money as far as, uh, as far as veterinary medicine goes, you know, a lot of the interface with, uh, the clients when they're in the hospital is with veterinary technicians. So, you know, we, we are veterinary nurses primarily, but God, sometimes you feel like a therapist, you're an accountant, you're someone's personal organizer. I mean, like navigating the navigating the tides and trials and tribulations of people's lives is just kind of part of what we do. And especially in emergency, you know, I'm dealing with a lot of different people every night. Uh, you, you have to kind of enjoy it to some extent. Well, enjoy is kind of a weird word. You, you have to appreciate the challenge. I'll put it that way of, uh, of, of navigating people's lives. And so in this episode, I want to talk a little bit about some of my favorite moments that have come up uh, w- w- with the with the type of madness that we deal with on a nightly basis. Um, I think this is also going to be, I'm going to go ahead and drop this right here. This is also going to be a window, like a gateway into what will be my first guest on Cat Disgusted. Um, I- I'm hoping to be joined uh, soon by a very well-respected and well, much experienced veterinary technician who has, you know, 20 plus years of crazy to talk about on the show. Um, so, uh, that, that's coming up. So that's why it's got to be part one or two, because we got to get her ass on board. 
So without further ado, let us discuss some of the eccentric folks that I've had the pleasure of doing business with in emergency veterinary medicine. Crazy, I'm crazy for feeling so lonely. I think I can distill the psyches of our clients into four basic levels of crazy. And I'll kind of try to to break down what those are here, at least in, in my head, how I kind of organize it myself. So you have harmless crazy, mean crazy, stupid crazy, and then true madness. So I think those are like the four basic categories that we're dealing with. Now, harmless crazy, I feel like that is, thank God, that is the most common and pervasive type of crazy that we deal with. You know, harmless crazy basically means, you know, you're an eccentric person, um, somebody who is unique and and, and maybe a little bit uh, off the wall in terms of what they think their own logic is in their lives, but they're not really going to do any harm to anybody. You know, they're not hurting you. They're not hurting their pets. They're just a little bit unique. You know, I feel like you see this type of this type of thing when you have like, oh, uh, you know, the first thing that comes to mind is like, you know, uh, say a, a very well-intentioned uh, crazy cat lady who like, you know, has has a kitty that ha- is in kidney failure and is like 18 years old, but is like mean as the day is long. And her whole life revolves around like giving this cat its medications and, and giving it subcutaneous fluids and all that stuff at home. And it's like, it's nothing that you may undertake yourself to care for this mean you know, bag of bones is trying to kill you. But on the other hand, this person is dedicated to this animal and doing all those things. You know, I feel like with hopefully in the animal's best interest, but you know, that, that type of person is usually pretty harmless to us. You know, she's not going to be mean. She just wants, she just wants lots of things, which is fine. Um, Mean crazy is a little different. Like mean crazy, I feel like you'll get mean crazy when um, it's about money. Uh, A lot of times if you have people, I can't even tell you the amount of times people are like, what do you mean? What do you mean you won't help him? Uh, isn't, is this is a hospital, isn't it? You're supposed to help my dog. Well, sir, that's going to be three thousand dollars. Oh, that's that's a that's the highway robbery, and there's no it's your obligation to help my guy. Well, you know, every technician has a story about clients who argue about money, and I I feel like a lot. Of, unfortunately, the veterinary technicians are in charge of going over cost estimates with clients and discussing those really difficult um things like really difficult procedures that have to be done, surgeries, uh, transfusions, wound repair, even on a more basic level, that's just a little bit of sedation and just a staple or two, even that can send someone over the edge and people get really mean about it. And they like, they, they think that you don't, they, they accuse you of not caring about animals. They accuse you of running a business that's only about the money. All those really hard things to hear when you're, you know, trying to help little fuzzy four-legged friend out who's in need. So the mean crazies, can, I think, can be thankfully few and far between when they're really mean, but it's the most difficult to deal with. You know, I feel like it's really mentally taxing to deal with uh, on a regular basis. Now, s- stupid crazy. Stupid crazy is like the polar opposite of 
harmless crazy. So good example of stupid crazy. Okay. So there was a dog that we hospitalized um, and did surgery on at my current job. Um, It had been vomiting for a week. Um, It hadn't really eaten anything in a week. Uh, The owner happened to be a a pediatrician. So hang on to your babies tight during this story because I'm about to tell you some, some, some business right here. This woman decided to give her dog IV fluids in order to help with the fluid loss that the dog was experiencing over the last week. So she tried to tried to put a catheter in the front leg of this dog. And this is a pediatrician, mind you. This is this is someone with no veterinary medicine experience whatsoever. And then it proceeded to give the dog dextrose because she thought his blood sugar was low because he hadn't been eating for a week. And so what happened was her very poor placement of this IV catheter resulted in a whole lot of subcutaneous fluid. It was going outside the vein. It was just making a big swollen spot on the dog's leg. And because she was using dextrose, um, the bacteria will have a party in subcutaneous dextrose fluid. And the reason why that is is because bacteria love warm, moist places. And guess what you also did? You also gave them a bunch of sugar. So they're like having a, they're having a basically like a buffet in this dog's legs. And of course the dog comes to us no better all the veins in its front legs are totally blown. So we have to put the dog on IV fluids and we have to find alternative way, alternative veins to put catheters in that are like, you know, you know, a little less than ideal. The front legs are the most positionally easiest to deal with. So it turned out that dog actually had eaten a dish towel like a week ago when it stopped eating and started throwing up. So everything that that woman was doing was just perpetuating the problem. The dog needed surgery, had the, t- had the uh, rather smelly crumpled up dish towel taken out of its guts and it got better and went home after that. So that's, I feel like that's the, that's my most recent example of stupid crazy. Now there is a fourth category. The fourth category is true madness. Now, I have to be careful with how I talk about this one because you do get people that are not mentally stable. And thank God, out of all four categories of crazy, this is the one that I feel like is the most rare. Um, This one is like I have lots of ways of dealing with lots of different types of people depending on what they need and what they need from me as a person, what they need from us as a hospital. But when you encounter somebody who has true madness, you can't do very much there. It's like, you know, that because you're losing all of your best cards, right? You're, you're losing logic. You're losing um, basic communication a lot of the times, like just being able to be like, just being able to speak the same words as someone else, like, like the same language in a way, you know, like, I mean, you can really be on different wavelengths to somebody. And a lot of times these people are telling you things that are not true. Um, they may tell you things that you really don't want to hear. Like I remember there was a veterinarian that I, I worked with once and, uh, they were talking about a lump on the dog's side that had kind of grown bigger in the last couple of weeks. And the owner freaking lifted up her shirt and went like, yeah, kind of like this lump that I kind of, that I'm getting checked out. You, you want to feel this? It's like, oh, okay. So, you know, there's, there's moments there that you, you kind of just have to back off and let the professionals deal with in a way. Um, and thankfully that's, that's not something that we have to do very often. Sometimes the true madness factor too is very subjective. Like I feel like I can, I can sense it right away. Like I can sense like something in the eyes is just different. You know, like walk into a room and it's like, uh Oh, 
like immediately, like I'll just know. Um, versus, you know, some people have a much different perspective. I mean, they may, they may sense that in somebody and I've been in there for 20 minutes and then I come out of the room like, Ooh, damn, they crazy. And everybody else is like, uh, yeah, we've been dealing with her for the last like hour. And I'm like, Oh, okay. never mind. The first thing I'm going to talk about is uh, uh, this this first incident was this cat that uh, came in for a regular health check, uh, you know, regular wellness check at my old job. Um, I think it was a little black and white kitty, not young. I remember it was was an older kitty. uh, And he he was we were going to like draw some blood and get some urine and send it off to the lab. But, you know, relatively doing relatively okay. Uh, He's probably like 15 or something like that. the the vet said he's like yeah the cat's the cat's doing uh doing really well now this this is I should give you the the circumstance of this is that you know the the doctor would go speak with the owner of the animal with the animal in the room uh, for a little bit at the beginning of the exam and then uh, the doctor would take uh, in this case the kitty out of the room and into our treatment area which was down a couple steps away from the exam room to get his temperature taken um, in this case we uh, drew blood and got some urine to package up for the lab so uh, there's there's always a moment there where the doctor is with us after having spoken with the client and so in this case he was telling us, you know, we were like, hey, kitty looks pretty good for his old age. We're like, yeah, yeah. He, he said, oh, yeah, yeah, looking good. Uh, the, the, the woman only has um, one problem with this guy. And we're like, oh, what's that? Um, and that's that she asked him, this woman asked the doctor, uh, is there any way that I could change his behavior? And that's always a that's a tricky one with vets because we're you know primarily vets are there for the medical part of it not so much the behavior part of it uh the psychology of it and he's like well, well tell me a little bit about what's going on and she says well i know that he is checking my email on my computer uh he learned my password because he sits and he watches me at my computer all the time and so now he logs on and he, he looks in my inbox. And I know that he's checking his email too, uh, but it's, it's harder for me to track because he's using the same website as, as mine. But I'm just wondering if there's a way w- without being combative that I could you know ask him not to do that. Whoa, whoa. So, uh, you know, so the doctor very tactfully was like, oh, well, um, uh, uh, I feel like a healthy relationship with your cat is always best. Perhaps if he's not in the room while you're checking your email, change your password, maybe, <laughs> which she liked. She loved that suggestion. She was like, oh, I should, I should change my password while he's not looking. Thank you very much, doctor. So he ended up actually solving that problem for her. But that was like, and she was dead serious, like dead serious, casual conversation, the cat is checking her email and that's upsetting her. You know, most human hospitals, they have a pharmacy, right? So a lot of veterinary hospitals, they don't have a separate pharmacy. The pharmacy that we have is one that's used for patients, for, you know, for inpatients, for outpatients, uh, refills, all that kind of stuff. We have a bazillion oral medications that we can use, uh, but they're not really dispensed 
um, just as a pharmacy. Like you have to be a client, you know, you have to be a client of the hospital, the, 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 the animal has to be a patient of the hospital. So we don't, we don't have like, you can't just like call us up and get drugs. Um, but we did have at the old hospital I worked with, we had, um, a refill hotline cause they have so many clients that, uh, if you needed your drug refilled, it's not necessarily true that you're going to get a human every time you call to refill it right away. So we have a hotline and you leave your message and we set on the message, you know, leave your name and your number, the, your, the, your animal's name. Um, and what drug it is uh, and we'll refill it for you within 24, 48 hours, blah, blah, blah. So it was one of my jobs on the weekends was to check this pharmacy hotline um, and listen to the messages and kind of write them all down and then do the refills for the weekend. So inevitably, you're going to get some interesting messages on there. Most of them are really straightforward. You know, like, hi, I'm John Smith and I'm calling for Fluffy's refill, a furosemide, blah, blah, blah. Um, but sometimes you get a good one. And one of my favorites that was actually, we saved it on the voicemail for a long time, uh, was this woman who called and she couldn't remember what the drug was that her dog was taking. So the message kind of, it's going to be really, I'm going to try my best to recreate this message of what it sounded like. Okay, here we go. Beep. Hi. Um, I'm calling. (sighs) What am I calling for? Oh, yes. Okay. I'm calling for Sophie. Sophie needs her medication filled. Oh, what is it? Oh, I can't remember. I can't remember what it is. Pills, you know, a little jar of pills. Let me see if I can find it here. Where is it? Where is it? Let's see. No, that's not it. Oh, what is that medication that Sophie takes? Oh, here she is. Here she is, Sophie. No, 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 get down, get down, get down, Sophie. No, 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 Sophie. No, no. Uh, oh, what are they? They're pills, they're little, they're white, they're, um, my phone number, do you need my phone? You have my phone number on file. Okay, thanks, bye. Beep. <laughs> I think that's that's about as much as I can remember it being, but hilarious. I feel like we saved that one for as long as the machine would let us, and then it eventually went away, but now I can immortalize it here forever. Thank you, internet. I'm going to move on to uh, another story about, uh, uh, about a client in the hospital. Um, this was a euthanasia that uh, that I did on emergency with one of my favorite doctors. Uh, Doctor Jones was his name, and he is uh, since retired. But he was he was wonderful, and he was fearless with with animals. Like I feel like you could bring Doctor Jones anything, and he would try to do his best to to treat it in its best interest. And um, this euthanasia that we had was a hamster. Now, this woman who came in with her hamster, she was a a regular client of uh, of Dr. Harkowitz, and Dr. Harkowitz is a a wonderful exotics veterinarian. And so, um, what he deals with are like the snakes and the lizards and the hamsters and the rabbits and the guinea pigs, anything that's not a cat or a dog or a cat or a dog. He does those too, uh, but primarily he focuses on the little guys. 
And this was an old client of his. Like you looked in her record and there was like all kinds of like, there was all these hamsters, there was rabbits. Um, a lot of times the uh, the name would repeat, like it would say like, you know, um, so like it would say like, you know, fluffy one, fluffy two, fluffy three, <laughs> like for all these little, for all these little things. Um, in this one's case, this was uh, a little hamster that she had uh, named Big Joe. And uh, Big Joe was one of her older hamsters. I did notice in her file there was a Big Joe one, and this was Big Joe two. Um, but for a hamster, I think was quite old. Like I remember he was maybe like five years old, which is for a hamster, that's, that's pretty darn good. Um, but she brought him in because he had been losing weight and he was getting a little unthrifty as we call it, you know, his fur is getting a little messed up. And so she wanted to, she didn't want him to suffer. So she wanted to, to euthanize him before he was in any kind of pain. Um, now with these little animals, you're not going to get an IV catheter in them. Uh, you're not really even going to get a vein in them a lot of the time. Uh, sometimes you can but with, with very talented veterinary technicians, but with a hamster, Oh, that's tough. So, um, a euthanasia with that type of animal is not necessarily something that the owners want to witness. Uh, a lot of times you're going to do either an intraperitoneal injection or an intracardiac injection. And it's just because they're so small, um, the, the quickest way to get uh, the barbiturate into their body is going to be through their abdominal cavity or directly into their heart. And so the owners are not present for that for the majority of the time. It's a little disturbing to watch a big needle in a tiny animal. She'd had lots of little guys. She'd done lots of euthanasias with the little guys. And so she wanted to be present for that. And Dr. Jones, because he's the bomb and fearless, he was like, fine. She wants to see it. Um, she wants to see it. And so he goes into the room with his little syringe of uh, of this, uh, an overdose of anesthetic is essentially what it is, his barbiturate. Uh, and he's not in there for very long. And he comes back down into the treatment area and he's like, well, it's all finished. Um, I think she'll just need a, need a minute and then uh, you can go get him. And I was like, okay, sounds, sounds good. Sounds good. Thank you, Dr. Jones. So, you know, I wait like five eight minutes or something. And then, um, I brought, I grabbed one of our little, like a little dish towel or something like a little small cloth. And I went up to the exam room where this woman was, uh, with the now deceased hamster. So I go in there. So I kind of tap on the door, kind of like light knock. And she's like, Oh yeah, come in. So I open the door and there she is. And she's sitting, um, she's kind of a small woman. She's like, maybe like, I mean, she's maybe like five, five, two, you know, she's kind of slight older. Like I'd put her like, she's one of those people who could be anywhere between like, you know, mid fifties to 70, you know, and, uh, these big kind of big glasses, like right out of like, you know, 1979 big glasses and this kind of short hair that's been dyed this like very, very like, like trying to be a natural red color, but became the most unnatural red color. Um, and a little knit sweater where she had like a little knit pink sweater on and she's got this hamster, which in her small hands, like looks quite large, I think. And he's deceased and she's talking to him. Like she lets me in the room, but then she, and she says, Oh, you know, kind of acknowledge me, acknowledges me, but then is talking to this hamster and she's saying things like, Oh, big Joe, big Joe. Yeah. He, yeah. He, you're the man. You're a big guy. And she's petting his little head petting. And I kind of stood there like, mm-hmm. She, you know, she's having her moment, you know, I don't want to like 
grab him out of your out of her hands and so i'm kind of nod my head i'm like oh you took good care of him he's an old guy you know she's like oh yeah you know well he started losing weight and then you know i just knew it was time oh big joe big joe and she gives him a little kiss on the head kiss yep on big joe and you know kind of pet 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 kiss and then i kind of you know i'm still standing there i don't want to interrupt or anything so i just continue to to nod my my head and then she goes oh yeah big joe and she licks his head. And I was like, oh, that, okay, that's, that's, that's intimate. That's, that's a little weird. And she continues to chatter at him. Oh, Big Joe, Big Joe. Licks his head, licks his body, smooths the fur, licks his head again, smooths the fur. Oh, dear. <laughs> and then after, and I'm standing there like, oh, this, okay. And then she's done. She kind of starts to kind of, you know, stand. And I'm like, oh, okay, okay. So I kind of like spread the little cloth over my two hands. And she very gently lays Big Joe in my hands and then gives him one last little lick on his head and then folds the cloth around him in my hands and and squeezes my arm and says, thank you very much and picks up her purse and leaves. And I carried Big Joe down into our treatment area and prepared him for the private cremation that she wanted so she'll get his ashes back. And uh, and, and, and just tried to treat him as nicely as she had for the remainder of the time that I had that little guy in my hands. So, uh, very sweet, right? Very sweet. This this is a perfect example of harmless crazy, right? I mean, like very sweet. She loved that little guy so much. It was just a little awkward for the poor veterinary technician standing in the room watching her lick her dead hamster. But you know what's interesting is I met this woman years later at my new job she came in with a rabbit through emergency and I saw her last name and I, it's, it's like this really unusual, like kind of like Hungarian last name with no, no vowels in it. And I was like, Oh my God, I think I know who this is. And before she left her rabbit got some sub Q fluids and he hadn't been eating. And so we gave him some critical care, which is this like oral, uh, kind of like mushy rabbit, high calorie food. And, um, she was on her way out the door and I was doing her release instructions for the rabbit. And I'm looking at her and I am so sure that it's her. And so I asked her, I was like, were you a a client of Dr. Harkowitz? And she's like, oh, yes, yes. I love Dr. Harkowitz. I love him. He's wonderful. He just doesn't do as many hours lately. And I, I didn't remember until that moment. But I said, I was like, oh my God, Big Joe. The name was Big Joe. I was like, did you? I was like, I was, I met you before. I, I was there the night Big Joe was euthanized. And she whipped her head around with those goggle glasses and looked me dead in the face. And those eyes, they just welled up with tears. And she was like, you knew Big Joe. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I met you that night. And she throws her arms around me, is hugging me. There's tears. Like she was just so, she's like, oh, I'm so grateful that I know who you are. And you're Nicole and I'm going to remember you. And you knew Big Joe and he was so wonderful. We'd lost a lot of weight though. And I was like, oh yeah, I remember that. I remember. So it was, 
it, it was very sweet. It was it was very nice. And she she's brought her rabbits to us, you know, in in uh, in, in our hospital in, in the hospital I'm at now several times, you know, and it's nice to see her. It's harmless crazy, you know, which is nice. Well, I tell you what, speaking of challenges, everyone, uh, it is time for our Venipuncture of the Week. Shit. You can S-P-E-L-L Nigga, please, you don't know me that well I got a truck sitting on spree wells My flow tight is H-E-L-L If you's a H-O-E, get a J-O-B I make your T on a T So this week's vein of puncture of the week uh, has got to go to one of the doctors that I worked with. Um, I, I, I worked with, um, for a couple weeks, I was working with a what's called a criticalist, uh, which means it's a veterinarian that has had a specialty uh, certification. I think is what they call it. Um, or they sometimes will say they're boarded. Um, they took a bunch of big ass tests is what it means. Um, and a criticalist took a bunch of big ass tests in uh, emergency and critical care. So they're a veterinarian plus one. Like they plus they have this extra specialty in a certain subject and they have it for radiology. They've got it for surgery. Um, internal medicine, oncology, neurology, um, and in this case, uh, emergency and critical care. So inevitably, some of the hardest venipuncture that you'll ever have to do is on animals that are dying. Um, in, in this particular case, we had this poor kitty that was hit by a car and the owners saw it happen. So they saw the cat get hit just tumbleweed across the road and they rushed it to us. Um, the cat had a broken leg. One of its front legs was broken and it was in distress. And so the poor baby were trying to get pain meds into it, uh, which we did end up doing very quickly, fortunately. Uh, but it, of course with a broken leg, you got one of your four legs out of commission. Um, we did end up getting uh, a catheter into the kitty's rear leg. Uh, and, but it, it was a, you know, it was a tentative situation because the cat's like moving around and we basically use that catheter for two seconds to inject a bunch of uh, oxymorphone, which is a powerful pain, uh, pain management drug. And, and then the cat literally kicked the catheter across the room. Like it went bink and just like kicked it out before we could tape it in. But on the other hand, what that meant was the kitty got its pain meds and could kind of calm down enough where we could, you know, assess the rest of the injuries and, uh, and proceed to get a catheter in that was going to be stable. Now, of course, at this point, um, one technician has poked the other front leg. The other rear leg is bad, you know, because now it's all blown up like a big bruise because it kicked the catheter across the room. Um, and we didn't really want to turn Kitty over again because it might, you know, stimulate more pain and we don't really know what else is broken to this kitty. And so the criticalist I was working with, she had an idea. She, uh, what she did was she went directly to the source. So she went to the biggest vein in, um, in his periphery that we could get to, she shaved his neck uh, and she looked at his jugular vein, which we used to draw blood from a lot of the time, but we do not primarily put peripheral IV catheters in. We'll use what's called a central line in their jugular vein, um, which means it goes all the way down um, into close to their heart. And that, that we use to, to do blood sampling if we're going to do that repeatedly or administer um, uh, nutrition that way, just like people can get IV nutrition, animals can get that too, but we don't do that unless we have a central line. In any case, we weren't really going there yet. All we wanted was just some intravenous access. And so what the criticalist did was she created a small hole in his skin. 
It was a hole just barely big enough so that you could kind of see the blue of a vein uh, through there, like a little window. And she used a large bore catheter, an 18-gauge catheter, once she could see that vein through that little hole. And she fed that 18-gauge catheter through the hole in his skin directly into his jugular vein uh, and then used some suture material, made a little butterfly with some tape and some suture material and sutured that peripheral catheter in place. So I thought that was pretty cool because, you know, I've heard of of folks doing that in adult cats. Now, it's different if you have uh, a neonate or, you know, a puppy or a kitten. Um, we often will put peripheral catheters. And by peripheral, I mean they're they're short, like they're intended to go in a limb uh, or in a vein that's, that's on your peripheral body. So say like an extremity. Um, you can use them in jugular veins in puppies and kittens quite easily because, you know, they're so tiny. Oftentimes you don't have another vessel that's accessible to you. And also, you know, it can kind of act like a central line because, you know, if they're small enough that little peripheral catheter you know you're talking about it like you're talking about a like a puppy pomeranian i mean that's going to fit in the palm of your hand you're going to be able with like a a 20 gauge uh catheter it's going to be long enough to go through their jugular vein and then down like into their into the uh close to the atrium of their heart and so that that can act as a central line So uh, I thought, but in this particular circumstance, this is an adult cat. So by far the largest animal that I've seen a peripheral catheter go into the jugular vein of and have it work like that. It totally worked. We gave, um, we gave hypertonic saline in there, which is something to help with blood pressure. We gave IV fluids through there. Um, So it, you know, even though it's not uh, an ideal circumstance, you know, the cat was in shock. There just wasn't a whole lot of vessels to deal with. And she, without hesitation, um, put that, that, that 18 gauge catheter in there. So I thought that was well worth the vein of puncture of the week, uh, to see her do that. Well, you've done it again. You've survived another episode of Cat Disgusted. Uh, thank you so much for listening, as always. Uh, stay tuned for next week of Crazies Part 2. I'm going to have my friend on the show. I know you're going to love her as much as I do. Um, so until then, you guys, stay safe. And remember, don't come see me at work. Good night, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>